I want to speak on a couple of subjects mostly just to remind ourselves or if you will to reinforce the fact something that we already know but in our Christian walk here below it is not a bad thing to remind ourselves the first one is going to be in the epistle of Ephesians chapter 6 Ephesians chapter 6 Because I believe that every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ has an adversary. We are not left to wonder who the adversary is. He is the devil, the wicked one, the cunning one. And so we're going to read a little bit about a soldier. Life is compared to that of a Christian here below. So we're going to read from verse number 10. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole arm of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against power against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole arm of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girded about with the truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shone with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking the seal of faith, wherewith he shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God like I said every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ has an adversary likewise every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ have an advocate and for that we turn to first John chapter 2 the first epistle of John chapter 2 and verse 1 my little children these things have I write unto you that ye sin not but if any man sin we have an advocate with the father Jesus Christ the righteous verse number 16 for all that is in the world the loss of the flesh the loss of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Just that God will bless the reading of his word. I know some Christians say, well, certain things that happen to other Christians will never happen to me. I was shown for a loss this past summer of a Christian that I have a lot of confidence in. He probably still saved because once you're saved you're not going to lose your salvation. But he was overtaken by what we read in First John chapter 2. That is my great fear, loss. We don't talk about it a lot. My great fear is to be overtaken by loss of the flesh, of the eyes, and the pride of life. It is real and the enemy is real 
and he's fearless and he's ruthless. I was with a group of young people during the Christmas holiday and they have paintings and they have painting of the devil and they painted him with horns and and tails and, and hoofs. I've seen it before, before I came to this country. You've probably seen it. And they have this ugly imagination of the devil. But the Bible doesn't describe him that way. Keep in mind before his fall he was known as Lucifer. And apart from God he was the highest of all the intelligent being upon the, world, upon the earth. In all the universe he was that person apart from God. In the book of Ezekiel we read of him that he was full of wisdom. And he, was, he had beauty. So he's not... He's someone to be afraid of. But it's nothing like what the Bible describes him as, of what people describe him as. He doesn't have horns, he doesn't have foot, hoof, he doesn't have a tail. But this much I know about him, he's very subtle. It means that he's very wise. Even though he has fallen, he has not lost his wisdom. Only that his wisdom is twisted by sin and deceit. And he's bent on destroying everything that brings pleasure to the heart of God. And that includes you and me. And that includes the local assembly. I know people say, well, I can't fall to the prayer of the devil, to the wicked one. Well, remember in the Gospel of Luke chapter 22? The disciples were scribbling about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And the Lord Jesus Christ pointedly speaks to Peter and he says, Satan's desire is to have you, that he may sift you as weak. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan's desire to have you, that he may sift you as weak. In the passage in which we read about the Christian life is compared to that of a soldier. Now this is a physical war that the soldier is fighting. First of all, he has to identify an enemy. In order for him to prevail in this battle of a physical war, he has to have the right equipment. He needs his shields, he needs his protective warfare in order for him to be successful. That's not you and I. We are fighting a spiritual war. He says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. He is very clever and he's ruthless. And we know presently he's on earth today. Because we read in Job chapter 2 that he's walking up and down in the earth. So he's here today. And he has many instruments to get his lies out. Lord Jesus, called, Lord Jesus Christ told us about him. And every time he speaks, he speaks lies. Because he's a liar. And he's the father, he's the father of lies. 
It has been said, we have two examples in the Bible that will tell us exactly how he operates. Because it has been said, we would have to admit that he was successful in the garden with Eve. It has been said that had she simply just said unto the serpent, Thus said the Lord that she would have prevailed. But she misquoted the word of God and she gave him place to come in. And without the word of God, she was no match for him. Likewise, you and I, we are no match for him without the word of God. He cannot attack the soul, the heart. But he attacked the thing that appeals, lust of the eyes, of the flesh, and the pride of life. He's not so much interested in the heart of the believers, but he's interested in the mind. Had she quoted the word of God to him, he would have no place to deceive her. But this is the plan of God. And then the next big step, the next big test, Luke chapter 4, the Lord Jesus Christ in the wilderness. This one he failed, and he failed miserably. If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones remain bread. Jesus replied with the word of God. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds from God. He failed miserably because of the word of God. What does he say in the passage we read in verse 17? Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. As Christians, we have only one defense weapon. That is the word of God. Says the psalmist, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I may not sin against thee. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. We have the word of God. I know the Christian here, you might say, well, the devil would never overcome me. I'm not going to say that. Like I said, I started by saying there was a a gospel preacher that I trusted, that I have faith in him. Sad to say that we have seen Christian family torn apart because of the work of the evil one. It doesn't mean you're going to lose your salvation. And his delight is to anything that brings pleasure to the heart of God, especially the local assembly, is to destroy it. That's his aim. And people underestimate him. I want to tell you something that you might not agree, but I, he got many ways to spread his lies. You might not remember, but and you might not even believe me. You might think I'm making it up. But November 8th, just about two months ago, there was a big headline in the New York Post. <coughs> Excuse me. The New York Post is not an ordinary newspaper. I said that because a few, I remember a few years ago we passed into the airport in Puerto Rico. And we were able to purchase the newspaper, the New York Post, while we were waiting for the plane to take off. So it's a big time paper. But I don't know if you saw the headline on November 8, 2012. It says this.
I actually couldn't believe it, but he did say it. That God hates us. That's the lie of the devil. You and I know very well that God doesn't hate us. And they based it on the week before, we had Hurricane Sandy. And that day of the headline, we had what we call an northeastern pasture. And that day there was ice and snow on the ground. And some people whose power was restored from Hurricane, they lost their power again. And so here was the headline, God hates us. Now, I don't know if you saw it, but there was no outrage about the headline. I remember talking to my fellow passengers and asking them, they didn't see the headline. But I thought it was the lies of the devil. God doesn't hate us. He loves us. Then the next week, the same newspaper, there was another headline. You might remember this one. Some woman pushed another man off the platform of the New York subway, pushing down he actually died. But then on the headline of the post, they had this, the coming train, and this man trying to climb up. And just before the impact of the train, they have it on the headline. And people were outraged. How can you print something like that? They're not outraged by saying that God hates us. You see, the devil is very clever. He has many ways of getting his message out. He's the father of lies. And he spread his lies. And so we're up against a spiritual enemy. And we're in a spiritual warfare. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against power, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Christians don't believe at that. He's very, he's so subtle. And sometimes he's even in the home, on the internet, in the magazine, in the newspaper. And that's how we get around. Peter says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, Walked about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Very clever. Highly intelligent. That his only thing different, his intelligence is bent on destroying everything that brings pleasure to God. He said, Resist the devil, James said, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. And so we have. Example in the Bible of how he operates, and he is an adversary. Now we want to speak a little bit about our advocate. If it is true that we all have an adversary, believers in Christ, we all have an advocate, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Interesting to note how the Apostle John speaks to the saints here with great affection. He says, My little children, these things have a right unto you that you sin not. That is the object of all Christians, that we do not sin. But, if any man sin, we have an advocate 
with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. In other words, we have a mediator, one who plead your cause before the throne of grace. For there is one God, and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus who gave his self a ransom for all to be testified in due time. We are not left to ourselves. The Bible tells us that he is the devil, is the God of this world. Paul said, for if our gospel is hidden, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world had blinded the mind of them that believe not. That the glorious light of the gospel should shine unto them. Had it not been for the devil, every person that comes to the gospel meeting every Sunday night would have been saved. But he will be here tonight. He'll be seeking to snatch the word right off there when the gospel is preached. That's his aim. The Bible tells us he is the prince of the power of the air. He is the prince of this world. But we have an advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous. We can go to him. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He's in the world going up to and fro. But we have an advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous. Here John addresses them like a father. The Lord Jesus Christ, our advocate, pleads before the throne of grace for us. Not only is, is he our advocate, but he is our divine keeper. In the Gospel of John chapter 17 he says, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. The Lord Jesus Christ knows that when he went back to heaven, we, will be, we would be in the world. And we will be subject to the surroundings of the evil one. He's not praying that God should take us out of the world, but that he should preserve us from the evil. And we are preserved by the divine keeper, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, while it is true that he's clever and that he's the God of this world, the only thing can protect us and keep, keep us close to God is the word of God. I would be the first to say that I fail miserably in reading the Bible. But this is the only defense we have against the evil one. It's the word of God. Whether it be at the breaking of bread, or the gospel, or the prayer meeting, we, can go, we cannot go any other place but to the Bible. I tell you this, I find for myself, if I don't read the Bible, I'm not going to be a help in the assembly. One of my greatest privileges is to come to the breaking of bread and to hear other brethren pray. And sometimes they quote verses in their prayer of worship that I would love to quote, but if I don't read it for myself, sometimes I feel miserable. You have to read the Bible for yourself. I learned this from a long, long time ago. The devil knows the Bible more than you and I. What he takes pleasure in is to have you misquote the Word of God. 
Because if the word of God is quoted correctly, he has no dealing with you. He cannot touch the heart. That's why you cannot leave, lose your salvation. But he can draw us away into lust. He can. He has done that. That is my great fear as a Christian. The loss of the flesh, the loss of the eye, and the pride of life. After you pass a certain age, you and you're married for a certain amount of years. That's what I thought. And then you become a gospel preacher. And I thought, couldn't happen. It does happen. And, and Christian family are torn apart. That is my great fear, personally. And I will always be faithful to my wife. And this is his great aim, individually and then the assembly. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He will never let us go. I'll tell you this, 1976, after I got saved in November and I was planning to come back to America, because I left here and never, never wanted to come back. When I left, I was unsaved. And I remember a lady, a, lady, a lady named Mrs. Roberts in the assembly now saying, and she said to me when I told him I was coming back, you shouldn't go back. Because you, you're going to go back to live the life you lived before you were saved. It wouldn't be difficult if you had known me before I was saved to think like that. It wouldn't be difficult. But you see, it's not really up to you and I. He will never let us go. He's a divine keeper. He I will never leave you, nor forsake you. We can let him go. And I've got to quote these. It's like... It's like I was telling him what I was going to speak about. He quoted these three this morning in his worship. The loss of the flesh, the loss of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's what he does to draw us away. He's very enticing, the evil one. He's very clever. And don't mistake to think that he's not wise. He's very wise. And he still has wisdom. The only difference is his wisdom is twisted in sin and deceit and corruption. And he's very active. So even though we have an adversary, we have an advocate, the righteous one, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the one who loved us, and gave himself a... You know why I was quite upset with the, with the New York Post? Because I usually buy the New York Post. I still buy it every day. And the reason why I was upset with the paper was you, you might not have been upset. It, it seems to me that the New York Post would be a paper that would be quite conservative. Although they print some outrageous stuff. But usually they quote certain things from Christians 
And they usually held up this belief of this inverted Christian. They always talk about this. Sometimes they write in the paper, or they told it in the paper. But this they have this bigger than God hates us. You know what I was thinking? You know what I was doing during that time? I was getting called from England, from Antigua, from Florida, from the Virgin Islands. People calling to find out how we were doing. And every time I hang up the phone, I said, by the grace of God, we are okay. You know what would have happened if we all got what we really deserve? They should have flipped that headline and said, God loves us, we are still here. If we truly have gotten what we deserve, we all would have been gone. It's by the mercy of God that we are here. What the I don't know if you saw the headline, you might think I'm making it up. But it is true, November 8, 2012, it says, God hates us. And to make things more ridiculous, there was a woman who had very little clothing right on the same headline. And he says, but we have an angel. And she was practically naked. And the headline said, God hates us. You and I know that's the lie of the devil. You know, God loved us and sent His Son to die for us. So even though we have an adversary who is bent on destroying everything that brings pleasure to the heart of God, we have an advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous, the one who loved us and gave Himself for us. So we, with that, we close and bow our head in prayer. Father, we bow before thee.